This week on Not Sauce for Work, Terry Tam is co-hosting, Eagle is producing, we discuss the allegations made by Brian Flores, we discuss texting etiquette, and we honor the great one of the great ones. On today's show, we'll also talk to Seth Kalina of Pro Football Focus, so we can understand a little more about what we saw last Sunday. We'll get into this and much more on this episode of Not Sauce for Work on the Hot Sauce Sports Network. Welcome everyone, you were listening to it, perhaps watching Not Sauce Work on the Hot Sauce Sports Podcast Network. Um, Terry, uh, how's it going, buddy? Very good. I just saw a stupid thing on Instagram. Somebody called the cops and the cops broke down his door. He's like, get the fuck out of my place. All right. He, he called very, and pulled an, he pulled an Antonio Brown. He called the very, cops. I was going to say, very Antonio Brown of him. Yeah. Um, so... I, I actually have an Antonio Brown story, but I'm waiting for it to be verified. It happened to a friend of mine. Um, so I'm, I'm waiting for that to be verified. I think we'll run with that probably next week because I'm still waiting on details. Um, the uh, I want to ask you guys something. Do you guys have an inside joke with your friends that is so insanely dumb that, like, outside of your friends, it wouldn't even be funny? And I, I got I got one. So I'll, I'll go ahead with like mine. 100. Yeah, yeah, pick, pick, pick your favorite one. I'll go ahead with mine and give you guys some time to, to buy you guys some time. Um, I have a friend of mine who lives, um, a, he lives out of town. He lives in Hawkesbury. So, um, you know, I go whenever I go see him, I stay, I stay overnight. Um, and we, we haven't gone over for a little while, but last time we were there, um, I told him uh, I, I would bring some beer. So I picked up some beer, and the beer was called James Ready. I've never heard of this beer before, but I bought it because it's an awesome name. Nice. Um, so bought brought a bunch of them to his place, and from that, like from that point on, once a week he'll text me or I'll text him, "Are you ready?" Followed by James Ready from the other person. <laughs> uh, so like now he's like, "So what do you, you know? You guys come? You guys?" Do you guys want to come up to Hawkesbury for March break? Because my wife and I work in a school, and so we'll we'll be off during that time. And I was like, "Yeah, uh, absolutely, I'm ready." To which he responded, "James, ready." It's the dumbest joke in the world. We both, I I, I know that I audibly laugh out loud to the point where my wife sees me look at my phone and laugh, and she's like, "Oh, it's your friend." And the answer, of course, is always yes. Yeah. Uh, but again, I realize it's funny to nobody else in the world. I want to know you guys' version of that. What's Eagle, your James you have, Ready? Eagle, do you have one? Yeah, I have one. So um, obviously I'm a nerd um, and I played a bunch of nerd games. So when nerd. I was playing, I kind of still do, Magic the Gathering. Yeah. It's like the card collectible game. So there was one of the sets. There was Virgins card, Unite. Of course. There was a card called Thought Seize, uh, which basically was a very powerful card at the point in time. And it was super rare to get. So it had like a market value of like $50 for this piece of like cardboard essentially. So one of my friends opened the pack and it had a Thoughtseize in it. So my other friend's like, oh, I want that. I'll give you 50 bucks or whatever. And he's like, no, I want it myself because I want to play with it myself and everything. And he goes, oh, come on. And like, okay, I'll give you this. I'll give you that, whatever. He's like, I'll give you a blowjob for it, right? As almost like a joke. And like I was like, mm, 
No, but okay, like he, he, he thought about it type of thing. That's the point, so yeah. From yeah. that point onwards, anytime we want something valuable, we offer a thought fees as a comparison, basically saying I'm willing to suck your cock for it. That's a good one. So we have that's, – that's actually a really good one because you have to have a hidden word for, for blowjobs in your group chat. Yeah. So ours is uh, Moyaki. Remember Tony Moyaki, the tight end for the Chiefs? Mm -hmm. So for some reason, we, we call blowjobs now Moyaki. Nice. So did, nice. did you Moyaki here? And then and if I say this to other people, they, they understand what I'm saying, which is weird because they don't know the inside joke. I also have an inside joke of me. Whenever I go to the border, I'm so nervous whenever I drive to the border. I'm so nervous. Why? So like, I come off <laughs> are you, rude. Are you, are you bringing drugs across the border? Like, no, I hate being detained. I hate being delayed. So I don't yeah. want them to give me any reason to say, okay, just pull over. I never do anything illegal. Okay. I don't want them to pull over. So there's times where I'd be, they'd be like, where are you staying? I'd be like, hotel. You know? So I have an inside joke and my friends always say, every time like, I answer a question of the border guy, they'll be like, hotel. They'll just make fun of me. You know? Well, we, we have, uh, after a flag game once, we, uh, we all used to go out to eat when, in our first uh, few seasons when it was just like a group of, of guys, a group of friends or whatever. And so um, one night we decide after the game, we're going to go to Plattsburgh to go to uh, Taco Bell. Yeah, because we we wanted there was Taco Bell in Canada, but we wanted the great F meat. Like we wanted like yeah. the real Taco Bell. We don't want like we don't want to like not regret eating this. Yeah, and like we, we used to play a game of roulette. To, to we would take bets on who would get uh, food poisoning. Yeah. I was always the the uh, lowest paying odds because I get food poisoning. Like if you look at my food crooked, um, but so um, we're going to the border, and uh, I'm in the car with a buddy of mine, and the the guy at the border says, "Where are you guys going?" To which I answered, Taco Bell. And then an it's an honest uh, answer. And then he looks at me, he's like, I, I meant the city. I was like, Oh, Plattsburgh, how long are you going? I was like, however long it takes me to eat some tacos. Well, according to like, Google, drive throughs take about seven minutes, so I'll be back in twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I was like, Yeah, like I'm gonna go have some tacos, come back. And the the the, the so this is the border agent who's American who's like well, don't you guys have Taco Bell in Canada? I said, yeah. So, but you go to Plastic for Taco Bell. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, all right, go through. And then, so we on the way back, get to the border. Where are you guys coming from? The answer, once again, because Taco I'm Bell. not thinking, Taco Bell. And he's like, um, what? What city? I was like, oh, sorry, Plattsburgh. What, what was your reason for going? Taco Bell. How long were you there? Six tacos. <laughs> I didn't get pulled One over. One Crunchy Wrap Supreme and three tacos. That's all. <laughs> I was I was driving back and and my like we're just silenced in the car for like ten minutes because it's late. And I turned to my buddy. I said, "Man, it must be really easy to bring drugs across the border." Oh yeah, <laughs> like, especially guys that are guys that are specifically going across the border to to eat <laughs> eat food because it's believable. It is absolutely believable. That that is what we went to do. Uh, but I think we got a really busy show. We're gonna get to. It. We do have a guest today uh, from Pro Football Focus. And the Too High uh, podcast, Seth Galina joins us. Uh, he's a funny dude. He's a really insightful dude. So uh, do stay tuned for that interview. Uh, but yeah, let's get to the news. Ah, uh, Terry, it's the news. Is it though? Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> I love that that's always your answer, by the way. Um, yeah. 
Low key, that's my funniest part. Of, that's the funniest part of the bit for me is your answer every single time. Yeah. Um, I was looking into this weekend. I was like, man, like, okay, maybe we'll get one big story and we'll have to fill out the rest of this episode. It's going to be tough. Um, and then Tom Brady went full retirement. Uh, the story finally broke. He did actually finally retire. So there's that to talk about. And nothing else happened. Of course, the Brian Flores thing happened. We'll get to that in a second. But I do want to start with Tom Brady. Uh, as he got to bask in, like, everyone providing their commentary about how awesome he is. And then I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't retire. And then went ahead with retirement. It reminded me of Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer going to his own funeral and getting to see, like, all the people, like, mourning him kind of thing. It's like, that's yeah. what the funeral, that's what the, uh, the uh, football community did for Tom Brady for like 48 hours before he actually retired. He got to he got to like bask in it, which was which is kind of a cool experience, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, I think he did he played it all perfectly. Like he did, he he kind of leaked the information, you know, accidentally. And then yeah. kind of he it's perfect. He he like he leaked it and then played it off like, "Oh, I didn't leak it." And then everybody was like everybody reacted, so he knew the temperature of how they were going to react. The Patriots fans started complaining. Uh, the rest of the football world are telling the Patriots fans they're babies. Not all Pats fans, though. I will say there's a select few. Specifically, Dave there's Portnoy. Like four of them. There's four yeah, like Dave them. Portnoy was really mad that he didn't get... Weirdly mad. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, you know, his, his logic... It has to be an act, though, right? Like, it can't be a real thing. Like... No, no. So, there, there's there's a lot of things with Dave Portnoy, and I'm a big fan. And I like Dave Portnoy because he, um, he's straight up. But a lot of it is a bit, and you have to realize the bit. But this one wasn't. And the reason why... I kind of backed him up after I heard his reasoning. He said, I've only interacted with the police three times in my life. All three of those times were to support Brady and the Pats. He had the Roger Goodell thing. He got arrested. He got he got kicked out of the Super Bowl when they were in the Super Bowl in Atlanta, against Atlanta. Like, he, he he's operated with the cops three times. So he's done these things for the Pats. So he expected a message for the Pats. As if the Brady wasn't going to do it anyway. But, like... He, anyway, he's a genius. He's a content genius, I will say. Can is, we can we also add to the fact that he used this as a way to one up Ben Roethlisberger yet again? <laughs> yeah, like go fuck yourself, Ben. Hey, Ben, I heard your announcement. I got one better for you, plus five Super Bowls. <laughs> and like the, the the way he 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 was like super nice to to Roethlisberger when Roethlisberger retired too. In a way that's like he he just he wins all the time. I heard this argument this week where. Um, Tom Brady, based on where he was drafted, based on his success, based on the fact that, like, he survived sort of some scandals uh, with the Flakegate and all that, uh, based on the fact that he, everyone liked him at the end of his career and he didn't have, like, the fall-off that Jordan Montana had, is Tom Brady the greatest winner we've seen in sports? Not just by volume of wins, but, like, winning, like, winning at, like, his... Everything like from his personal life to to his relationships with people yeah. to like like Jordan basically torched so many relationships and and became so toxic in the end and and was just a shell of himself and we saw the same thing with like Gretzky and and, and we saw the same thing with uh, you know Montana just not looking the same yeah. in a Chiefs uniform like he left and he put on another uniform and he was better <laughs> than he was in all the other years you know i'm going to say that yes brady is he's up there and you can't say no the reason why i'm not saying he's the best winner of all time cuz there's guys like i mean michael phelps i know i know like we could talk about how many gold medals yeah, he had and, serena williams and all those too, i think I put, I put serena williams up there too cuz yeah serena williams is, is a better example serena williams is a better example the reason why i wouldn't put olympic olympians in there is because olympics is like once every 4 years so if you don't win that one 
I mean, I guess you can also talk about like a ton in between that we just don't know about because who yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like we measure them based on their Olympic uh, medals. So I mean, I will put Michael Phelps up there and a lot of other Olympians as well. But Serena Williams, Djokovic, all the individual sports, you have to conclude them. But if you want to talk about like a team sport winner, there's it's hard for me to say that Brady and uh, Brady Gretzky. And Michael Jordan aren't the best winners of all time. Like, I don't know what other person you can mention. I mean, you could talk about, uh, what's his name? Uh, Maurice Richard's brother, uh, Henry Richard, 16 Stanley Clubs. Okay, congratulations. You did that with four teams in the league. Like, you know, that's, that, that's, that's the whole thing. Like, we can talk about these guys in the past. But again, for, for me, it's also, it's also the expectation, right? Like, he was a backup to Drew Henson. He was yeah. a backup to Drew Bledsoe. He w- yeah. he wasn't. He was a sixth round pick. He was um, unexpected from the beginning. Like Joe Burrow, he was number one recruit coming out of college. Yeah, he was drafted. He's not. He was the last remaining Montreal player to be drafted by the Montreal Expos, who was active in sports. It's crazy, right? Like that's that's wild. And he was drafted in what the sixth round, and he was. He's a Cinderella story. Should have never like his success would have never happened if Joe Bledsoe didn't get annihilated by Bart Scott in that game. Was it Bart was Scott? It was Mo Williams. Mo Williams, exactly. If Drew Bledsoe didn't get annihilated on the sideline there, we never see this. Which that's, is that's his claim to fame right there, Mo Williams, right? When he's talking to his yeah. grandkids in two years, like, you know, the greatest of all time, that's because of me. If it wasn't for me, you would still be watching Drew Bledsoe overthrow receivers. If it, if it wasn't for him, um, I'd be a happier Dolphins fan. If it wasn't for Mo Williams, I'd be a happier Dolphins fan. The, would you, though? Because the then Giants you would have lost. Have won two Super Bowls. Hey, Jay, Jay Fiedler and Ricky Williams would have had a chance, okay? Would, would, <laughs> would you have been a happier Dolphins fan or would you have been a sadder Dolphins fan knowing you lost to worse talent? Because the Dolphins would have ended up losing anyway. Yeah, probably. That's a shame. The hell with you, Terry. Um, no, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's cool to see. And honestly, like, I was one of those guys who hated on Brady because I was just tired of losing to him constantly. And then... Like, obviously, people made fun of, like, the, that first documentary that we saw where, you know, he kissed the sun on the lips. But I find as he's opened up and become Weird. less robotic, he's been he's been likable. It's been fun. It's been – I've actually I, – I found myself wishing he was just this for all 22 years, you know? Every, ever since he had that – ever since that kid asked him a question at, like, media day. Yeah. Uh, was the Super Bowl against the, against the Falcons. And they asked him, like, who's your role model? And he's like, my dad. And he starts tearing up. I'm like, he won yeah. me in that right there because – you can tell sometimes when people are being like genuine or people are being fake, and that was there was a lot like it was genuine. And then there was the whole Absolutely. thing with him and Drew Brees like throwing football to Drew Brees' kid in Drew Brees' last game. Like there's all that stuff that people don't realize. And people that talk about Brady, they 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 like him. Not many people have said anything bad about him. The only person that says something bad about Brady is Antonio Brown. Um, well, there's, there's also a lot. There's a lot of fans who like you know you see all the memes and stuff about all the Super Bowls that had like had like narratives around it like to me that's the most childish argument the guy won the super bowl sh- shut the fuck up yeah like, like all those like oh circumstances... yeah kicker won the field goal like, well i mean also yeah. I, I look at those situations where it's like okay maybe in that particular game the story was the defense or the turnovers yeah. or the tuck yeah. crew or whatever it is but also you played 16 17 18 other games to get you to that point and who clutched a lot of those games out for the wins as well right so yeah, that also is part of the journey yeah he's, he's it's lucky in... it's lucky if he did it once you know what i mean the amazing thing is, <laughs> Nick Foles. He's, he won seven <laughs> Super Bowls. Nick. He won seven Super Bowls and had a gap of nine years where he didn't win a Super Bowl. And I, I, that's inconceivable to me. He had a whole career in yeah. the middle of his career that was Hall of Fame worthy where he didn't win a Super Bowl and still won seven. And that's he ended insane. his career. 
And he ended his career fresh off of a Super Bowl win and finishing at the top of the league in touchdowns and yards. So And if his team if his team didn't fall apart around him, the yeah. old, the oldest guy in the room who by eat, by not eating avocados stays healthy as shit and and every everyone else around him is tearing ACLs. Gronk Gronk in the last game looked like he was going to start bleeding out of his eyes for how much pain he looked like he was in. Yeah, but I can't Gr- imagine what Gronk's back feels like on a daily basis. Gronk has lost all mobility in his hips, his legs. Like he can't even move anymore, and he's still out there doing the fucking thing. And because Brady's putting it in the the only spot to where Gronk can catch it, we 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 can't look at like we if we look back twenty years from now, I'm going to be talking to my kids. I'm going to be saying they're going to be like, "Oh, how good was Brady?" I'd be like, Brady wasn't like, you watch him and you're like, oh, wow, it's crazy. Like, that's Patrick Mahomes. That's Josh Allen. That's Joey B. Like, the, the, those are the guys. But, like, Brady was like, if you watch this game, you're just you're, you're just watching because he's just so methodical. Everything is he does is almost perfect. But He but doesn't have a really strong arm, but he's accurate, you know? It's so much more impressive because he doesn't have the Aaron Rodgers skill set. Because he doesn't have the Pat Mahomes skill set. Like, the... To me, he might be the greatest football player because he's not the most talented football player. You know That's what I mean? Exactly like, yeah. to have that kind of achievement, it's kind of like what, we, what people say about Jerry Rice, right? Like, not the fastest guy, not the biggest guy, not not the... He didn't excel at anything over, like, some guys who are much more talented. But the fact that he just committed to being that level of excellent made him the greatest of all time. And, and to yeah. me, that that's Tom Brady. Um the he doesn't initially acknowledge the pats he eventually does although he did it by instagram story and not in the post where do you guys stand on this like so we live in a, in a social media age right so like if you get a birthday acknowledgement on like a social media like story is it the same thing as getting a post right like it's the same because um, like it's only 24 hours and it takes yeah, less work to put but a, a lot story. of people a lot of people save their posts. Fair. I'm sorry. A lot of people save their posts and they and they put them in their little highlights and stuff. But who yeah, like you that? have to go who look for that? that. Who looks for who looks at someone's highlights? Exactly. Like it's very rare. Like I'm going through highlights to see like uh, plays. I'm not going highlights to see a thank you message to the past. Like if you're doing a post, you're doing a post. But like I liked his Twitter, the, the video that he posted there with the, the Mac Miller song and all that stuff. Like that was cool. Like I think he did it well. I think I think Brady handled this perfectly. He took his time. He thanked the right people at a certain time. And then in his 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 Hall of Fame speech, that's going to be the one everybody's anticipating. You know, yeah. if he makes the Hall of Fame, we don't know if he's going to make it or not. <laughs> he might not because because yeah. he didn't deserve all those Super Bowls, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, Adam Vinatieri is going to go accept it for him on his behalf. And refuse to let Brady touch it. It's interesting because uh, we've seen sort of this shift where players having their own podcasts, having their own vehicles. You know, LeBron James having the barbershop. Um, LeBron James, if you notice, will never have a media availability unless it's like a, a pre or post game conference. He never makes himself available to uh, to just like ESPN or Hot Sports, for example, because because he can you know, he can I, control the narrative. I can list after ESPN, obviously, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he but controls so, the narrative that way. And and it's interesting because, like, to someone who thinks journalism is important, I don't think you get the most accurate information when someone obviously has a bias and giving you the best version of themselves, but it allows access in a way that we wouldn't otherwise have. So it's there's benefits to it. I'm curious to see how this all shakes out in the future, but, um, it, like, we wouldn't have the access that we have to Tom Brady or Michael Jordan Unless they gave that sign off, right? Unless they said, "Hey, I'm allowing you into my life, but you're going to tell the story I want 
I want you to hear, you know what of I mean? Course. So it's, it's really uncomfortable in some ways, uh, but I want to see how that develops. What is interesting about Tom Brady is he paired himself with Gotham Chopra, who is a legitimate journalist. Like this guy worked in war zones reporting on bombs falling and has decided in the second stage of life, yeah, I'm going to hang out with like Steph Curry and Tom Brady instead of risking my life every single day. So it's pretty cool to see that relationship blossom. Uh, so I will give Brady credit to that to that end is he actually paired himself with a journalist because maybe, you know, to even win against douchebags like me are going to point to point the journalistic integrity. He even found a way where I can't even really bash him for it. Cause he's probably doing the best way of all the guys who've done it that way, you know? Oh, big time. I mean, anyway, we can't, we can't say a bad thing about how Brady handles his career. The flake yeah. gate can fuck right off. Like it's who cares? Yeah, who gives you know a shit? I mean? It's it's air inside a ball. Who cares? Like, you know? I understand. Like, okay, that's we never a rule. Cared about it. We never cared about it before. Let's stop yeah. pretending like we care about it now. The team got Crazy. punished. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, the, the next story broke uh, because of a text sent by Brady's uh, former head coach, Bill Belichick. He sent the wrong text to the wrong – well, he sent the right text, but to the wrong the person. Wrong person. Um, so the only place we're going to start at first is not actually the controversy, of course, but um, what was the most regrettable time – you sent the wrong text. Oh, uh, I'm remembering a moment. Okay, you, have you ever like screenshot a conversation and then try to send it to somebody else? Like I screen, I forgot the moment exactly. But and I remember you sent it to the person you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. All, all and, the time. And then Every I tried to time. backtrack really quick. I'm like, oh, I took the wrong screenshot. Sorry. And I pulled that, and they're like, oh, okay. But they're like, they don't really know. There's no way they believe you. This no, is I mean, they, they have no reason to not believe me, but they're like, was he trying to talk shit about me? Like, then they, they'll probably read the messages to see exactly what I was saying. I forgot what the situation was. I'll remember it. Um, I have an awful memory lately. Like, I watched the last two, like, season five and season six of Ray Donovan, and I'm, every episode, I'm like, I've seen this. And I'm like, oh, this is where I left off. And then every episode, I'm like, oh, this is where I left off. And now I've finally gotten to a point – 30, uh, no, sorry. 20 episodes later, I'm like, I didn't, never saw this. So maybe <laughs> so 20 episodes, I forgot what happened. 20 so episodes. has it actually been cleared of exactly what mistake Bill Belichick made when it came to this test? Because my understanding, the way I'm interpreting it is he heard... Oh, white bill, black bill. It's white bill, black bill. Is, it, is it actually bill. that, though? Because, <laughs> well, black bill. because the way... Oh, sorry, he takes a black bill, he wants to take white bill. The, the, that was my initial thoughts, but then the more I'm reading into it, it seems like he read the message from the Giants or whoever told him the information. That's 100% Said it was, covering it. It was Brian, and then was like, okay, congratulations, and like, wait, no, which Brian are oh, you no. talking about, right? Oh, backtrack, big time backtrack. It's, it's 100% a backtrack, and I'll get into why, because that's a super, super important detail. But before that, Eagle, I need to know about your mistext history. Again, stop stop burying the important details by trying to distract us with news. Yeah, with facts. Come on. I mean, I text you to let you know that I'm outside to pick you up, and then you don't answer, so I have to text your wife instead. And then she's like, new phone, who dis? So that always happens. You're the worst. Yeah. You're terrible new phone, who dis? This is why you're not on camera. Yes, 100%. correct. Um, on my 29th birthday, I got the most drunk I've ever been. It wasn't even a milestone birthday. There was no reason for it. Um, I, was I was there for that party, I think. No, you weren't. No, that was, that was that, another that was party year, then? That was the year before. And believe me, as drunk as I was on my 30th, I was not as drunk. In my, I, I was way more drunk on my 29th. I threw a bag of vomit at the CBC. That's how drunk I was. At the CBC? Um, at the CBC. Um, What's the CBC? I, I, the CBC, like the the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. What do you mean you threw it at them? 
at the, at the building. I, oh. I took a bag of vomit and I threw it at it. Um, one of my, one of my bosses had taken me out drinking, and my all my friends were there. I got obliterated, and the next morning, um, I took a sick day because um, I was obliterated, and um, texted my boss. Yeah, man, I got super wrecked. I I can't come in today, man. I'm super hungover. Except it wasn't man. It was uh, my other boss. Oh, woman. Uh, woman who was very unhappy with me. <laughs> sir, sir, sir. <laughs> but sir. like, you should be allowed to take a sick day for for being hungover because you are sick. Oh yeah, for it's sure. Sickness you brought it to yourself, but it's still sickness. Yeah. For uh, sure. But yeah, let's get into Eagles' topic because yeah. Um, so the, the, the lawsuit, first of all, um, it, at first it was made to seem as though he was suing specific organizations, the Dolphins, the, uh, the Broncos, and so on and so forth. He's actually suing, uh, he's trying to build a class action lawsuit. The lawyers are the same lawyers who represented uh, the victims of the Harvey Weinstein case. Uh, so they have experience in class action. Please tell me you saw the name of one of the guys. Sorry? Please tell me you saw the, the Greekest name of all time. I, yes, I'm not going to even pretend that I can pronounce it. But yes, John Alephtarakis, love it. It's my name. My, his last name is my my real first name. Yeah, as a as the opposite of a, a right Arrakis is a left. Exactly, he's a he's a um, left Arrakis. Yeah. Um, so it's a class action suit um, alleging that there is a systemically racist issue uh, in hiring practices in the NFL, and that he specifically was a victim to it. Um, the smoking gun in this case is Bill Belichick's uh, text because the text was received congratulating Brian Dable before Brian Flores even went for an interview. The showing oh, that the that's what it challenged. is. Yeah. And I, um, I don't blame you for I never understood it. what it was. I don't, I don't blame you for not reading the entire article, Terry, because it took me the entire morning. It was so long and so dense with information that I literally had to take out take out a notepad and write stuff down because I was I, I just it's so much so much information so much legalese all in one article that it made it really difficult to read. But that's that to Eagle's point, that is the smoking gun. Now again, the backtracking is basically Robert Kraft or whoever else meeting with Bill Belichick saying like, yeah, Bill, you know you you know you screwed up, but we we need to we need to change the the look of this because. Um, this is going to be used against us in court. You know what I mean? So that's what I believe the backtracking to be. Um, the, the, the thing that's easy to prove is the systemic racism in the NFL. Because if you look at the bulk of players being for, the bulk of coaches being former play, players, that is factual, right? It's something like 80% or 90% of coaches were former players. But then if that's true, 70% of players are uh, black but there's such a vast minority of white coaches that it it doesn't seem logical, right? Like you would imagine that if like if your pool is largely ex players and most of them are black, you would at least be close to fifty fifty, right? Sure. But so if you're hiring the person who's most qualified and your larger pool is people who are black, the the contrary assumption is you're the, that the they're they're being they're being told essentially by the inaction that their lack of qualification is by skin color. 
You know what I mean? Because uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that there isn't something to be fixed. I wouldn't say that there's systemic racism. Look, just just based on the stats. It, it, built in. It's not if you look at the stats, if you look at the stats, yes, stats also tell us a lot of things that aren't true. Not that aren't true, but that you can be, could be interpreted differently if you look at stats. If you look at the amount of um, police brutality versus white people then versus black people, then obviously, but the stats tell you otherwise only because of population. So, I mean, well, we can look. No, but, but that's percentage-wise. If you look at percentage-wise, percentage -wise, it's much no, higher against black people than against white people. So, exactly. Terry, no, I think, I think at bare minimum, you have to accept that the systems in place to prepare people to be coaches are favoring white coaches over black coaches. At bare minimum, you have to go with that approach, right? Exactly. Yeah, okay. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with that. I think Brian Flores is, is well-deserving of a coach, of a position. Now, the only thing, the Rooney rule is in place to, to make sure that you interview at least one person of color, right? That's basically the rule. Now, they had to go the rule, but they're interested in Brian Dable. Right, they're interested in this person. They interviewed him. They liked him. The only issue is that it, I mean, like it's happened in every company where you know the person you're going to hire. You just have to interview people, maybe to get a different view. I don't know what the fuck. Okay, but in this but, situation, but go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. That's in this, true. in this situation, in this situation, I think that is just a missed, is an awful mistimed text that gave Brian Flores all the ammo. I don't think that he didn't get the job because he's black. I think that he got fired. And he's not getting the same opportunities that other people will because maybe there is some sort of inherent uh, prejudice towards black coaches for some reason. I don't, I can't well, I'll give you, I'll the reason. I'll give you the reason. It's super simple. It's the same reason it happens in any other company in the world. Um, it's because the decision makers, and I, I don't think it's something purposeful. I don't think it's done particularly with malice, although in some cases it might be. I think that the, the, the power brokers in this industry, like most industries, are all white people. And people tend to hire people with which they have things most in common. Your boys, right? yeah. So um, until you see changes in ownership, the Rooney rule doesn't work because what happens is you get token interviews. And that's the problem with the Brian Flores thing is if they truly decided on Dable and then interviewed Brian Flores, that means the Flores, the Rooney rule at this point is just creating token candidates. Exactly, which is that's, the opposite effect. Of yeah, what which is <laughs> it's exactly yeah. why I didn't I didn't like the Rooney rule at first because it's like okay, all you're doing is is forcing them to interview. But if the problem, the like all you're doing is just giving this person an avenue to to be interviewed for a position that they want. Fine, that's good. That's great. Well, That's I, okay. think, I think it's more than that. One, it's giving them experience in interviewing for a head coach position, exactly. which they may not have gotten otherwise. And two, maybe the interview goes really well and you go, holy shit, this is our guy, right? Like, exactly. Instead yeah. of you never inviting them to have that conversation at all. So, so I think that the rule, the rule is in place to, to, to help that. But I also think that what it does is it, if you're – there's no billionaire that's going to that's gonna be like – that's going to be told what to do. Right. So if you're if the billionaires are being forced what to do based on the rule, then they're going to they're going to do that. But if they're forced to be like, oh, no, you have to hire a black coach, they're not going to do it just out of like spite almost. You so know what I mean? Funny story coming out of New York. Apparently, Mara actually did want Flores, but because of all the bad press about Mara meddling in the team affair, she actually took a step back and let the GM run the entire hiring process. E but he easy. All, apparently he almost stepped in and said, no, I want Flores as my guy. That could be a cop out, an easy cop out. I mean, but listen, I agree with Brian you. Flores, he's going to get a job. I may, it might not be this year, but he'll get a job eventually. Well, I don't think he will. At this point, he's he's apparently for the Texans' job, which is interesting. He has to get a job now, Pease, because if the NFL doesn't give him a job now, 
they look awful because he he has the proof. He has the receipts. He it's has it all. Hire, it's hard to hire someone who's suing you, though. There's not really a precedent for that. I mean, I, we, like, yeah, you're right. You're right. There isn't a precedent for that. But there's at, the also- very, at the very least, at the very least, um, I, first, thing I, first of all, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I think that, I think it's going to get thrown out of court because while we can we can both sit here and say there's a problem, like while we have differing opinions, you and I, Terry, we both know there's a problem, right? Like we agree there's an issue, right? There's, some, there's something there. There's, some, there's definitely something, something there. Exactly. So, but the problem is going to be is A, um, there's not a precedent to uh, create a class for a specific job title like you would, for example, people who bought a pharmaceutical product or people who were abused by a specific person. Because you're looking at 32 different employees. I know it's all the NFL, but it's 32 different employees um, and, and a bunch of different candidates and the opportunities vary. So it's a, it's a huge issue. What you can prove for sure is hiring practices and the fact that, uh, that N- uh, black NFL coaches get on average a year and a half less tenure um, than, than, than other coach, than, uh, white coaches. Right. So, um, I agree hundred percent. I agree. I mean, we're seeing it, right. It's like, I mean, Mike Tomlin is the one example that we can say he's been there forever, but the Steelers are notorious for just keeping coaches forever. You know what I mean? So they're, they're, they're somebody that we can kind of ignore in this situation. And you know, you, I'll, give, I'll give them credit because the Rudy rule was because of them. Exactly. And they're the one who gave, gave the guy who the Miami Dolphins said, Mike Tomlin was too hip hop because you know I guess he's he's rapping during practice or something. Was it was it Stephen <laughs> Ross? Was it Stephen Ross that said that? No, it wasn't Stephen Ross. It was uh, I forget his name. He was a um, a C. It was a guy who was hired to find a new CEO who chose mm-hmm. himself and then didn't hire uh, Mike Tomlin and instead went with uh, with uh, Cam Cameron. Okay, so he pulled an Adam Gase. He's like, yeah, I'm just gonna make it myself. Oh no, he pulled a Bill Polian. Ah, I'll, just, Bill Polian I'll yeah. be I'll be the GM. Fuck it. Um, but yeah, so so um, and then of course amidst all this, uh, John Harbaugh um, doesn't get hired by the Vikings after a nine a nine hour interview. I don't know what you're talking about for nine hours. But then also decides to stay at Michigan. My first thought was, um, oh well, they use the NFL to get a raise uh, from Michigan. But what it looks like this might be was just Harbaugh was like, yeah, this is too hot for me right now. Don't want to. Don't want to get embroiled in controversy my first year. So my question is, do the Dolphins hire David Culley and then fire him after a year no matter what happens? Yeah, I think that's the move. I mean, I think it has to be. How much did how, – how long did he sign for? Who? Jim Harbaugh with Michigan. One year. <laughs> there you go. There's the answer. He signed an extension for one year. Let it cool if, down. I'll come back. If, if that happens that they hire him after this, that they hire a minority candidate and fire him after a year, like – let's say he's like 9-7 and seven or 9-8 or, and eight or whatever, oh, the, the, you know. But that's be. the thing is like that, that was that was the point I was trying to make is that a lot of these other coaches are getting multiple opportunities. Other than Hugh Jackson, I can't tell you of a coach of a black coach oh. that Cully, David Cully waited like till his sixties and then was fired after we would all call a very successful year in Houston based no, no, on but, the situation. Oh, that, oh, hundred percent. I mean, what he did in Houston this year was, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, that team is awesome. And, and then of course the the Eric Bieniemy, you know, like the. The arguments there, and, and again, just to me, it's not about specific. Like I think we get too bogged down in specific candidates, yeah, and not the the general problem, which is, um, you know, lack of minority ownership, lack yeah, of of, min- of minority opportunities. Because again, Terry, I, I think you're right. I don't think it's them not choosing them specifically because they're black, but because 
the, the culture is what it is. Yeah. Until that changes, we're going to continue seeing this problem. Yeah, I agree. Um, so that was a lot of information in a short period of time. The reason why is because we have a great interview with Seth Galina. Uh, we were expecting to not have that much to talk about. So we got a great uh, guest from Pro Football Focus. He's going to make us all smarter about football. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to, going to talk to uh, the host of the Too High podcast, Seth Galina. And we're back because we totally recorded these uh, segments in order. Uh, joining us now is Seth Galina of the Too High Podcast. And he's doing some great work with Pro Football Focus. Uh, Terry and I have actually known Seth a long time. Um, and uh, I've always liked, Seth, I, I'll start here. I always liked your um, combination of incredible football analysis. And I find you to be a very funny person because I really do enjoy the dry sense of humor. Um, so it's it's a pleasure to have you here. But the reason we brought you on, and, and I know you're great at X's and O's and understanding the game, is is it better to rent a water tank or to buy a water tank? Because Good question. I, Eagle now has me doubting it. I can't think of anything else. Um, I, I don't know. I, am, I, am I wasting money here? I'm renting. I don't know if I'm wasting money. Well, I think the first thing you need to do is is figure out your your like water consumption issues. Like That's your important. personal uh, <laughs> issues with showering – um, with keeping yourself overly clean, yeah, because you can be overly clean, of course. Um, and then let's talk about like we're not even close to talking about water tanks right now with you. Yeah. Like, okay. get to a normal human level of yeah. shower maintenance, and then we can talk. Yeah, because P's taking two half an hour showers a day is one banana lens. I take like total of thirty minutes of showers a week. I'd say that's not. Yeah, and you always think you're in the shower. It's funny you say like 30 minutes a week, but that's probably a normal amount. You always yeah. think you're in the shower for like an hour each time, but you're probably in there for like six minutes or something like that. Oh, I had the time today and I was like, you know what? I'm going to put on a podcast I got for Christmas. I got like this waterproof Bluetooth speaker. It's in my shower. I'm going to put on a podcast. I'm going to listen to something. I got in there. I got out before like the intros were done. What do you do in there for half an hour? That's what I don't understand. Yeah. Well, you know, I got... It's not really half hour. My my, my wife exaggerates and you know, <laughs> but it's it is long. Like it's so like say an average shower is actually five minutes. I go I probably go ten. Um, I had a lot of products to keep the beard soft, the hair from being more white than it has to be, um, keeping it from looking like just a, a giant ball of you know uh, what's that material they use to make Nerf balls? Um, that stuff. Um, it's Nerf. That's yeah, the material. It's just, it's, it's, uh, yeah. It's a finite um, resource too. That's the problem. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, that's why I don't, that's why I don't shave it off. That's why I'm lucky to still keep the hair because I know once it's gone, I can't travel back to the eighties to when Nerf was popular and, and, uh, repopulate my head. So it's important to keep it clean. Uh, that's why I spend that much time. According uh, so to Google, your water tank will cost you three to four times more on average by renting it rather than buying it. No, but the reason why it's better renting is because of the maintenance, from what I heard. So, What's like, the last time you did maintenance on your water tank, Terry? I'm going to need to, right? Because every time I, I turn on the water, the thing just starts fucking going nuts. It's, it's a cylinder with water in it. How much maintenance can there be? It's the same as a water glass, but bigger. <laughs> it, makes a, it makes a lot of noise right now, so I need to maintain that, and I don't know how. Oh, okay. <laughs> just put a towel over it. That's probably fine. Um, yeah. Seth, uh, I do have some questions about what we saw last weekend. Um, it always fascinates me to talk to somebody who sees the game the way you do. Uh, because, Intelligently. 
yeah, because obviously as fans, we, we sort of have our own biases and we, we obviously see what, what's on the TV screen, but you have access to seeing a lot more. Um, what we saw from the Bengals in the second half, why is it the Chiefs don't run and is it just ego? Yeah, I think that's always a, an interesting question about just running the football in general general, and calling runs in general. But I think especially with Patrick Mahomes and all the success that they've had throwing the football for the, the past four years, it's tough. It's tough. Like, you know the big plays are there. Yeah. And it's always tough to just live in a world where you're saying, you know, our, our, our kind of best play, you know, barring a, a breaking run for 50 yards, but our best play is going to be so six and a half yards yeah. and it's like that's, that's a hard thing and i'm not good at it the, the, you know the one when, when i've called plays in my life like i it's bad like i i have the problem too where i'm just like i need to score a touchdown on every play i'm very impatient like that um so like i understand that they had it i mean and the offensive line for the past sec, let's say the second half of the season in the playoffs has been really good it's finally gelled um especially in the run game I think they still have some pass protection issues, and I don't think the the Orlando Brown trade was like like worth it in, in that sense. But um, you know, the interior started to gel, and the two tackles played better in the run game, and they were just mashing people. Uh, the two Steelers games were great. This game against the Bengals, they were mashing people, and whenever they wanted. Um, you know, it's funny because they they had started to get into some more interesting style of runs, and then in this in this Bengals game, it was pretty straightforward you know, zone with a backside tight end, not really doing much. And like, they were still getting a whole bunch of yards. So I do think it's, you know, I, you know, you don't, I don't know if I want to say the word ego kind of, but it kind of is ego. Just like um, we could have got that the whole day and we could have kind of ran out the clock doing that. Yeah. But, but um, it's always tough when you have Patrick Mahomes because there, there were plays to be made. I mean, there's that little, little toss he throws over the top to, to Kelsey um, there's the play to to Tyree Kill across the middle, and then there's the interception to Tyree Kill where, you know, he throws a really good ball. It's just really, it's just good coverage yeah. by Bates. And then unlucky to get it tipped in the air um, and have it intercepted by um, by Wait, oh, no, no, I thought that was, I mean, you're going to tell me I'm wrong, but I thought that was like a dumb throw. Tyree Kill's 5'6", and he's going for a jump ball in between two DBs. Yeah, okay, yeah, I get it. But I think, so what the issue with that play, and I, I have to remember it, but I, I think he just waited... He, he, you know, Von Bell made a really good play of kind of being in between um, Kelsey's route and Tyree Kill's route. Yeah, and I think that there was a there was a play to be made earlier to Kelsey if you would have just r- rifle the ball in there, and you kind of waited too long. Now, obviously, it be, it becoming a jump ball is a little bit of a problem for sure, but um, you know he has position on him. Like Tyree Kill does have position on him. He does, and that, and like and like this is always the issue, right? Like with 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 the with this offense right now is that they're not they're not in a great world right now, especially with the defenses they're seeing to be creating these explosive plays on these deep crossing routes that they did for fucking four straight years. Sorry if from the sorry for the square. No, no, don't worry about it, man. Um, so yeah, this so then like that's the issue they've had so far with like everyone's everyone's playing two high coverages against them and whatever coverage within that family it is and they're having a tough time with those crossers. So it's like when they've been able to get them and the Bengals gave them some opportunities. And you saw a really nice completion in the first quarter, I believe, on two Tyree Kill on one of these deep crossing routes. Mm-hmm. Um, when they played one high, they played a lot of one robber coverages. And and like 
you, you th- and again, it's like an ego thing. It's like Mahomes is like, I got it. I got one-on-one. I'll just put the ball up there. Yeah. Um, and obviously you're hoping you lead him and he, and he just runs free. You know, the ball's a tiny bit underthrown and it, and it becomes a jump ball situation. But it is that weird, like, turnover luck thing where, um, you know, nine times out of ten, that ball just gets, gets knocked down and it falls on the turf. And then they punt and and maybe they even get the ball back. But instead, um, you know, he gets a turnover. So if you, you're looking at football, I mean, analytically, and you're looking at, like, okay, situations he did this, this, and this, and this, does Patrick Mahomes make the least mistakes, or is he more like a gung-ho kind of guy where he's like, you just expect him to just kind of wing it on every single play? I think one of the things with Mahomes that's been really great his first four years that wasn't quite there at Texas Tech was those, you know, what we call a PFF turnover-worthy plays. Like, you always had that unbelievable playmaking ability, and I, I, I never went back and rewatched like the 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 all twenty two of him in college, but I would imagine that that savantness of like the, how he would manipulate um, defenders with his eyes. Um, obviously, his like in structure play is underrated um, because we we always talk about him running around and doing all those plays. He is one of the best I've ever seen playing like just on time in structure. Um, so I think that was one of the big things was like he cut down on those turnover type of plays um, by by so much in his yeah. first four seasons. And this year was a lot of bad turnover luck. I mean, they were very good on offense, and a lot of that had to do with – I think they had – they did have foundational issues with their offense, but so much of it – we kept – you know, everyone kept, kept talking about it during at least the first half of the season, all these tip ball interceptions. You know what I mean? And he was making a little more of the actual turnover-worthy plays. Yeah. But there were, were also plays that were not his fault that ended up in interceptions more than uh, he's ever had in his career. Um, yeah. But, like, he, him himself has been, you know, over his career, been a lot better than I think people expected coming out of uh, out of Texas Tech. He, he uh, and I mean, you don't want to coach that completely out of him because part of what makes them special is sort of what he does off schedule. Uh, but on the, on the other side, uh, on the other game, we saw Matt Stafford, uh, of course, making it to the Super Bowl. Um, I'm a Georgia fan, Seth, so uh, I've been on the Matt Stafford is a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback his entire career. Please tell me I'm right. Well, I mean, look, uh, you would have liked to see a little bit more in Detroit. And I know the Detroit's curse, so maybe that's really why. Um, Obviously, yeah. But like, versus our, what versus our, the, the next analytical thing that PFF will be putting out, of course, is uh, yeah. Detroit curse, curseness. Yeah, and it's, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's just yeah, exactly. Um, that's real. Where our data scientists are working on right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I was excited. I was like always cautious, cautiously optimistic about um, what this would put Matt Stafford would be in Sean McVay's offense because he just does such a good job of getting people open. And I think when you what what it, it's been overall, it's been a lot better than I would have ever imagined and there were some stretches where it was like oh what's going on here but like honestly this is they've been red hot um in the playoffs and a lot of that has to do with stafford's ability to to read out progressions i mean that's really what it comes down to like you know with golf it was a lot of you know if he if if number one wasn't open and peas uh, you and me both know what happens when we're playing quarterback and number one isn't open. 
Not good. Panic. <laughs> so why? He should be open according to this paper on my wrist. Okay. I said he was open. <laughs> this paper uh, said he was open. What the fuck is going on? So, and with with, with um, Stafford, you just have a guy who can read up progressions. And the, the crazy thing to me is how much, how perfect the fit ended up being bringing in Odell Beckham. Because so much, so much of his catches have been on the backside of, of, of concepts. And just being able to, for Stafford to say, all right, you know, one's not there, two's not there, three's not there. I got the backside dig. I got the backside inbreaker, um, which he was running in Cleveland. But now they do run it. The Rams and the Browns run this specific route a little bit different. However, um, you know, he was doing this, uh, these running these routes in Cleveland, and Baker was just not, not getting the ball to him. Well, because Baker open. has that mentality of, like, touchdown all the time, like you were saying before, right? Like, he just wants it all the time. I love he, him for and, it. And, and, I, and I swear to God, I swear to fucking God, he was good at this as a rookie. And he then was. everything just collapsed. It's so I frustrating. Don't know, I don't know what happened. I was so high on him after his rookie season. I was like, oh, my God, this is, it's over. Like, this is the quarterback. Because he was, he was on time. His footwork was good. And then everything started he was off rhythm all the time. His footwork just sucks now. He cares um, too yeah, much about not caring about people's opinions. You know what I mean? Like that's, <laughs> that's Baker's problem. That's the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. He but cares much? too much about not caring. And he's like, and he's so, and he's so good. And I'm such a Baker fan. I st- like, I'm, I'm never going to give up on him. Like I, I was telling Pease about this a couple weeks ago. There's specific players that I'll never give up on no matter how bad they're playing. I'm kind of that way with, uh, with Baker. I was, I was that way with, um, Sam Donald. I'm kind of like a little bit off that right yeah. now, but, but I was like, just give him a chance. And he got his chances here and he fucked it up. So anyway, it is what it is. But like I, Baker, I still think we have like two good, really good seasons out of him. Like he'll, he'll have good seasons where we look at him and be like, okay, he wasn't that bad. But how much, how I, much it was, how much of the, the footwork and, and body control issues was related to the fact that he played, I want to say eight games in the body cast. Well, this season, yeah, he was. It was. Like he was yeah, the injuries. But it's been the issue with him is like, and 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 I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Terry. Kind of where it's like, okay, the rookie year was really good, and then year two stunk, and then year three under Stefanski, playoffs. The second half of the season was was awesome. Yeah. And now here's year four where he stinks again. So it's like there's clearly a good quarterback under there somewhere. I just don't um, understand what's going on with like Jarvis Landry. Like when Landry and Beckham were there, it's like okay, this is a recipe, and they had Njoku. Like this is a good right. offense, and then the offensive line was good, and they just couldn't get it done. And I don't know what happened with. OB- I mean, nobody really knows what happened between him and OBJ, but it could have been great. But OBJ needed a guy who just has a pair of balls like Matthew Stafford. That just that's yeah. it though. Like he needed like. Baker was just going to shy away from contact sometimes and run around in the backfield. I'm like, that's not, that's not Stafford. Stafford's going to sit in there. Now, I will say, like, the the Rams' offensive line has been a lot better than I think a lot of people thought it would be. Yeah. You know, Whitworth and Havenstein uh, on the tackles playing at a pretty high level um, this season, at an extremely high level this season, has helped a lot. And the interior has, has, has done a good job keeping him clean, too. So... That has allowed him to get through all these progressions. Um, but, yeah, it just fits perfectly. I don't want to even want to know what that offense looks like with Robert Woods back. Now, I don't think they'll re-sign Beckham because I don't think they have, probably don't have enough money, but that would be nasty. I mean, they're going to win the Super Bowl anyway, so, like, who cares? Yeah, but, I mean, like, I mean, it would be nasty with um, with um, 
with Robert Woods back. Well, I was so going to say, if, if McVay this year decides to turn off his mic early on in plays, uh, Stafford can read the field, right? It's not going to be golf all over again. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's that, but that's literally it, though. Like, he was done with this. He didn't want to do this anymore. It was too hard to, like, always be um, – uh, to always get the right call. And now he can be wrong, and Matthew Stafford will make him right. Plus, you do, plus you get all the other stuff that Stafford has, which is that, that like, can Right. Yeah. So like, you know, the first their first play action of the year, you know, maybe the third play of the season or something like that against the Bears. Um, you know, you roll him out, set up and then, you know, he flips his hips and he's hitting that fucking corner post route for a touchdown against yeah. the Bears. And it's like, OK, I, yeah, like I'll set you up like I'll set you up for that type of stuff with our running game and the play action. And you just use the cannon. And then when we now that's great. We always have that in the back pocket. But I can just call as many straight dropbacks and just have you have you sling it around the yard as much as I want, which I can do with golf. Before we get to your boy uh, Joey B, I wanted to ask mm. you about um, about Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy G. Like right now, they're they're saying they're going to trade him. He's trade bait. I, I I said I feel like he fits well in Pittsburgh. I don't know if that's a situation or not. What do you think, Jimmy? What's going to happen with Jimmy G? Who, which I, I want to know which offense loves a check down the most because that's where Jimmy G's going. Uh, yeah, Jimmy G is an interesting story. I don't feel comfortable talking about him so much right now at this very moment because he was so ass on the weekend that I don't, I'm like, he should never be allowed on a, it's not just one game. He should never be allowed on a football field ever again. He had a song, not just Cowboys. Don't worry, not don't worry, just, Seth. You can say it. You can say it because Garcia won't come after you because you're not a woman. So you're yeah, okay. Exactly. You're safe. <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm safe. You're yeah, safe. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just God. It's been, it was so bad. Yeah. It, you're right. Not not just in the Rams game, but in the other games too. It was just horrific. So it's like my like I'm like this guy should be backup. I don't. I think some team will take a chance on him. Yeah. I do wonder. And it's funny. We just had this conversation on my podcast. Um, that would be the two high podcasts. Uh, Excellent. Uh, <laughs> good name. Good name. Um, about like, like what, like who controls the offense, especially at the NFL level. It's like you know the quarterback kind of controls a lot of what's going on. Yeah. Um, and we we always go back to the same example, which is the Seahawks. No matter who the fuck they bring in to run the offense and call plays, guess what offense it is? It is the Russell Wilson offense. Yeah. So when I look at Jimmy Garoppolo and his limitations, like no matter where he goes, like you got to run the Jimmy Garoppolo offense. So like it's it's really about like who has the pieces around him rather than like like the fit in terms of scheme. And so that, yeah, I could, you know, if you want to go to Indianapolis and have a good running game and throw to them, okay, receivers, and and I think. Certainly, like, Pittman's been okay, and they'll have to find – eventually you're going to find a place for T.Y. Hilton. And then the other side is like, okay, well, the Pittsburgh doesn't have an offensive line, but they have all the skill players. So, like, you, you got to figure out which one fits you as, as a quarterback. But, again, like I said, I mean, this guy was – they the Rams busted so many coverages that, like, there's about 20 quarterbacks in the league that would have won that game for the 49ers, except for Jim. Um, except for Jim. So, like, <laughs> It's bad. Does the, Dak uh, win that game for them? <laughs> yes. Dak is the best quarterback in the league, so no, he's. I, I, we don't have to get it. We don't have to get into the Dak's Dak talk. You guys gotta have me back 
Dak we're, we're, we'll, we're, talk, we'll talk about Dak in the postseason. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 a pro Dak uh, podcast to be honest. Good. So, okay. Good. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, the, the, the question now regarding uh, the other quarterback, of course, playing in the Super Bowl, uh, Joe Burrow, because, uh, again, we, he, he gets mentioned last, even though, even he, like, he seems to be the last story, even though it's the most exciting story uh, for, for, for the actual Super Bowl. Um, what can he ascend to based on what you've seen in terms of his growth in a single season like I other than Josh Allen I can't remember a single quarterback making a, a stride this great in the second season I, I'm curious though when when exactly are you guys going to ask me about all the times I've picked off peas oh in, um, is, is that ever going to happen or well I mean you're going to have to throw people. it in casually like now yeah okay. there's right. people on the show least, I imagine there's you're not special I throw so many I throw so many especially if I pick you off <laughs> uh, you you would be one. You know what? Just uh, I'll, I'll put it back on myself. Like if you pick me off, you would be one of thousands who would pick me yeah, off. So. Right, no, we're in the same boat. We're in the same boat when it comes. Yeah, to we are definitely in the same boat. We're on. A, this is a very pro uh, pro interception podcast. Yeah, it's true. It's true. There's, Terry had seven on the game once. Yeah. yeah. No, he recently. Did. Yeah. Yeah, recently. How wow. many of those were pick sixes? I think like three. Three. Yeah. You. Division F? What's going on? It was literally that, the worst division, and he threw seven interceptions in six. It was years. also uh, Eagle. T- your fucking the <laughs> roster I was handed. Okay. Yeah, you had me as uh, WR one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just to give you an example. But I, uh, no, I played like shit that game, like absolute garbage. Yeah, we've all been there. We've definitely yeah, yeah. helped. Okay, there. I'm never playing quarterback again. I just decided after it's that. But the hardest- thing is, Joe Burrow is us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sure. That's the comparison. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Joe, Joe, Joe Burrow is great. I think that it's funny to – I mean, I think he's always was always going to be this way. And I think one of the things that, that I talked about last offseason, you know, even before the season started, and I want to continue to talk about is they were never going to be as bad as they were throwing down the field as they were in 2020. It's like it was impossible for them to be as bad uh, from – Receivers not making plays in one-on-one situations to Burrow missing targets on one-on-one situations down the field to the scheme not being good enough to get people open down the field. It, it was it was so bad. And obviously, you bring in Jamar Chase, who is that vertical, straight-line type of route runner. And now Burrow was already good up to 20 yards, let's say. You know, he was last year, the accuracy, we saw it. It was right away, right off the bat, you know, from his first game. The accuracy was there. The reads were there on that side of the field. And and his reads were there down the field. They just couldn't, they just couldn't connect on with anybody. So, like, it was never going to be that bad. And now we're seeing it probably overcompensate in the other direction with how, with how good his connection with Jamar Chase has been down the sideline, basically. You know, whether it's an over-the-top nine ball or a back shoulder ball, the connection has been insane. Um, so I think it was always there. I think, yes, he has obviously gotten better and, and stuff like that. He, you know, getting a real offseason, um, you know, instead of the one where you're drafted in is, is probably a lot better But for, for your development. But, like, he's always been that good. And uh, they're just getting they're getting the positive, um, the positive end of regression this year, especially on their deep passes. So when I look at when I look at this matchup, and I I can't the only thing I can I can't look past is the pass rush of the Rams versus the offensive line of the Bengals, and that's yeah. I think and, and Joe Mixon's gonna have a rough day because he won't be able to get any like anywhere near three yards 
Like I don't think he'll have to make he'll have to make some crazy plays, and Joey B is gonna have to be on his feet. He's gonna be he's gonna have to play a better game than he played in the second half last week, and which is saying something because the Rams are just they look like they have no weak spots all across the board, and it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see what, like Ramsey against Chase or or whatever they end up doing matchup wise, which I assume that's gonna be the matchup. T Higgins might be the guy that's like just like has a crazy game. But I don't. I just don't see the W for the Bengals. I'm still money on the Bengals though, because there's no money on the on the Rams. But I'm going money on the Bengals. Right. But realistically, I just don't see it happening for Joey B. And I want him to win. I want. I, I would love to see the Bengals win a Super Bowl this year. I think, like that matchup, the Rams defensive line versus the Bengals offensive line. Could you could you get a worse matchup between two teams in the NFL? I don't know. We and it's a super. We thought that was going to be the story last week, and they played. Well, I mean, they did decently well against against the Chiefs, but now we're it's a different. Yeah. Piece, right? Well, so one of the issues was that Burrow was like, especially like just right away off the bat in that game, he was like, "I'm not sticking around in here. Yeah, uh, I'm getting the ball out." Uh, or you know, and then obviously by the end he had to make some plays with his legs, and he did because um, he's a fucking baller. Yep. And um, but I, I just think like this is even worse. Like like. You watch the Bengals like when I rewatch those games, you know from the from the coach's angle, I'm like, especially the offense. The defense has played really well, but the offense, I'm like, there's no way this team has won three. They should have won zero games, especially like halfway through the the the, the Raiders game in the first week of the playoffs. They should have won zero games, and they've yeah. been they have a horseshoe up their butt, and that's great. It's great. Like I, I'm excited for for Burrow and Chase as an LSU fan, but like. This matchup against the the five that they put out there, the Rams, is is no no good. It's really no good. <laughs> now, the the thing that and I wrote about this and go on pff.com and, and find my article on this. Even though the individual players are do not match up well, I mean like Vaughn Miller and Leonard Floyd on the outside, and then Ashawn Robinson, who's having a really great playoffs and he's really just a really good player. Greg Gaines is 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 a, is a good nose too, and then of course, literally the best player of all time, Aaron Donald, as well. So you have two Hall of Famers on that line going against freaking Quentin Spain and Trey Hawkins, and whether it's going to be Hakeem Adenajir or. Or um, Jackson Carmen and Jonah Williams, like it's so bad. It's the it's such a bad matchup. But what the Rams do is they will play with those five guys. And usually, when we talk about a defensive line, especially in in this age of football, we think about a, a four man defensive line. That's what every team plays, right? For for our whole lives, like four man defensive line. Because they play with a five man defensive line, you know, you're allocating resources in different parts of your defense. So if you play with five and five defensive linemen, then you have less players uh, in the secondary levels. So, well, if you have less players in the secondary levels, then you um, have space for Burrow to attack quickly. Yeah. And especially because they will also play with two high safeties. Again, listen to the two high podcast. Um, they will play with two high safeties. So if you're saying we're going to play with two high safeties, so that's like a, a, a four across shell, the two safeties and the two corners deep. And we are living in a world where we're playing with five defensive linemen. That does not leave a lot in the intermediate level. So you can attack that space before the pass rush gets to you. Now, the second the Rams say, fuck it, we're going with a four-man, four-down lineman, they still have the advantage in the pass rush and the uh, defensive line. And you get the bodies you need in the second level. So like that, they could just decide to do that. And I don't think it'll be good for the Bengals. It's I don't, I don't, man. 
like I said, they got a horseshoe up their butt, but this is a fucking hard matchup for them. It's just yeah. it's just really bad right now. The offensive line is horrible. Yeah, I'm so, not sorry. Go ahead, please. Uh, no, go go ahead because I was gonna I was gonna uh, finish off the interview, but you asked your question, Terry. So I mean, is it is it is it possible? Like I know you, you seem optimistic, maybe a little biased, but it, is it is it possible that Joey B just has goes nuts on this defense because of that that point that you said where there's not going to be as many people in, in the secondary? Maybe um, maybe T Higgins, like I said before, T Higgins underneath. You know, at the ten to twelve yard range, I think that that's going to be money for them. I mean, maybe Randy I, I don't gets watch exposed for... again, like the one on one against Evans. Maybe, hopefully. But like, yeah, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm not out of the I think that's what it is, though. I think, like, if 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 you know, Ramsey locking down Chase. I I do think, like you said, I do think they'll play him. They'll try and probably shadow him. Ramsey locking down chases that that's tough because now you can just allocate everyone else to the to the three receiver side or or yeah. wherever away from chase well, and, 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 the Bengals, and the Bengals to your point like uh, they do isolate chase a lot yes like that's what they want to do is force you to put two players to put a safety over top or risk going one on one right so but now the one on one is Ramsey so what's your thoughts there. Yeah, so then then now and and the thing is like Chase is super physical, but Ramsey's probably underrated physical has like underrated physicality. He's just all I mean he's a complete corner, right? He has everything. Um so then you know, your 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 point about T. Higgins over the middle, that's that's it. That is it. And we saw it, we saw it at times in that Chiefs game, especially on the on the two drives that, that led to field goals that, that won them the game. You know, the one in the fourth quarter and the one in overtime, like Chase over the middle, uh, T over the middle. Five, you have five right ins. Like, it's nothing. But like, you got to be able to consistently make that play. Um, so I think, I think that's the play. And then, you know, one, they, if they want to go with a single high safety and leave um, um, isolated receivers on the outside, hey, T can win that matchup too. You know, Darius Williams is, is not great right now, and he has a size advantage over him. So I, I really think this could be a T Higgins type of game. So you're saying there's a chance. Like, <laughs> so what we'll do is, because um, I do want to get into a lot of other stuff, um, uh, I'll tease a, a potential future interview, hopefully around draft time, we'll get Seth back. Because uh, I've had this based on, I, th I think it was either Seth, Seth's Twitter or something on Facebook or one of the social medias. Uh, he blasted the, the Bears for taking Roquan Smith. And I now just, to, to pretend I'm as smart as Seth, we'll go around telling people, like, you can't take an inside linebacker in the first round. Um, but we'll get insight <laughs> like that when we talk to Seth uh, around draft time. Um, you see how I did that, Terry, where I tricked him into doing uh, another uh, – to come back on the show? Yeah, now he's obliged. He can't Now can't he's obliged no. to come back because we promised it to the people. Yeah, you're not, not, not going to throw him any picks if he doesn't come on again. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and, and I need those for my staff. <laughs> But so um, what, I, what we will do is we'll end this the way every interview does around Super Bowl time, the cheesiest way possible. Seth Galina, what's your pick? Uh, my, my brain tells me the Rams. My heart tells me um, the Bengals. I mean, I think that's, that's for a lot of people. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Cincinnatian now. That's, I, my office is in Cincinnati. So like, oh, you are? That's awesome. Yeah. That's are awesome, you in yeah. Cincinnati right now? No, no, I live. I still live here, but oh, okay. uh, when I when I go to PFF offices in Cincinnati. So. Oh, okay, okay. Have you I ordered mean, your celebratory cigars yet? <laughs> oh yeah, 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 no. But I smoked them incessantly before then because I can't yeah, do I myself. Mean, so that's... how else would you do it? I mean, who has cigars right, exactly. and doesn't smoke them, right? <laughs> there you go. Um, 
So I'm you weren't. Shot. I'm definitely not waiting for a Bengals Super Bowl with the smoke with the guards. That's another curse franchise. We might be two weeks removed from this conversation. Yeah. You never know. The um, finally um, admit the skyline chili is gross. Oh my goodness, it's gross. And I I I will eat it every time I go. And skyline chili. I, yeah, it's they're like. I guess it's their poutine. I guess you would say. In Cincinnati, um, they're like late. Yeah, they're like late night type of. I mean, it's not really late night. Yeah, I mean, th- I would say it's exactly like their poutine. Um, what is it's it? Spaghetti and like chili sauce, I guess, meat sauce. And, oh, I know and, what this is. I know. Yeah, what shredded is. cheese on it. It's just like yeah, yeah. it's like that. Okay, you want to do that? Like whatever. It's just like the quality of ingredients is is shoddy. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, it's it's rough. It's rough. Um, and I go, and like I said, I'll, I'll go and I'll eat it every freaking time that I go there because I just <laughs> am, I'm addicted to it. Yeah, it's classic Midwest. Just like this is what we eat. You better fucking eat it too. Yeah, just don't ask questions. This is what it is. Definitely don't That's ask questions. Exactly. That's the key. That's the key. Uh, Seth, thank you so much for joining us. Do uh, check out his article on Pro Football Focus. Uh, it's awesome. Do um, listen to the Too High podcast. I don't know if you heard Seth talk about it. He's he's very shy about it, of course. He, he barely mentioned it during the interview. <laughs> but um, it's excellent. Uh, honestly, dude, super happy for you. Doing some great work. Um, uh, it's great to, great to see great to see you putting it out there and get to see uh, get to see you working, man. Thank you, buddies. Talk to Appreciate you coming on, Seth. Anytime. Talk to you draft season. So, gotcha. <laughs> Just got to get that in at the end. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. Uh, guys, I don't know about you, but I love talking like X's and O's and 22 man views. So, that was really fun for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah Same, I mean, Seth, I, Seth is great. He's he's such a good person for that kind of content because he's a funny dude too. Like he's not dry at all. So it's uh... it didn't it didn't come out. I mean he he it came out a little bit in, in, during the interview. But like if you get to know Seth, I don't know him too well. But from what I've when I remember, yeah. like he's funny on Twitter. Like, he's a funny guy. Just you know maybe next time he comes on because he's gonna come on for sure. He has to. Yeah yeah yeah. Oh yeah, like, yeah we we tricked him. We tricked him. Yeah. So My first back. experience uh, with Seth's content was when he was completely like crucifying uh, Carson Wentz at one point, basically saying like. <laughs> Look at look at all these balls. They're awful. The read is good. The ball is awful. And like literally clip after clip after clip. And I'm like, this is the best content it. I've seen in forever. But oh. we're going to rapid fire. Uh, I got four of them for you today. We're going to start with Werther's Originals. Uh, Chicago Blackhawks chairman Rocky Wirt had an aggressive and angry reaction when being asked by Mark Lazarus about the Kyle Beach scandal in this particular clip. A power imbalance between a coach and a player and the powerlessness of a player in that situation. So what are the Blackhawks doing? What have the Blackhawks done? What will the Blackhawks do to empower a player in a similar situation to make sure that doesn't happen again? I'm going to answer the question at the end. I think the report speaks for itself. The people that were involved are no longer here. We're not looking back at 2010. We're looking forward. And we're not going to talk about 2010. I, I know, and I'm not either. And we're not going to talk about what happened. We're moving forward. That is my answer. Now, what's your next question? I can pick up to what we are doing today. And I think no, I don't know. That's none of your business. That's none of your business. What we're going to do today is our business. I don't think it's any of your business. Because I don't think it's any of your business. You don't work for the company. If someone in the company asks that question, we'll answer it. And I think you should get on to the next subject. We're not, not going to talk asshole, about man. Kyle Beach. We're not going to talk about anything that happened. Now we're moving on. Hey, how, what more do I have how to say? Do you, 
You want to keep asking the same question? How are you fixing your problems? How are you fixing your problems? By not talking about it. Yeah, by not talking about it. We're going to fix all our problems by not talking about it. Said nobody ever. Like, go, like, how, even if you don't feel like talking about it, you, do you realize, like, the, what happened? Like, you don't have to talk about the actual action, but talk about what you're doing. And that, I don't know who the other person was that said, yeah, this is what we're going to be doing. And for him to shut him up, it's like, just tell us what you do. Tell us what what communities you've been involved in. Tell us any, tell us anything you've done that it's gonna it's gonna make you look better. Because right now you don't look good at all. Like there's zero about you that looks good. So uh, the way I'm looking at this is the follow up question is: If you're the 18 year old who's gonna get drafted in the first round for the Blackhawks, how does he protect himself from rape? The, the, the well, I mean, basically what we can tell um, is uh, he can't <laughs> thanks to to the words because they're moving forward. You're moving yeah. forward. Um, hey, congrats. Ago, Kudos to you. Move forward. I don't know if you guys noticed, but there was somebody trying to answer. You know who that was? It was his son. It was his son who actually runs the day-to-day operations. I felt so bad for him in the spot. Imagine. He's like, man, my, my old-ass dad doesn't understand the world in 2022. Let me try to help him. No, you sit down. You shut up. It's so it's so emasculating. Just- but then, and then the other thing that got me, Terry, was he says, uh, it's none of your business. He's a journalist. It's literally his business. It's literally his business questions. to report the news on things that affect the sports that you cover. Understand. And the thing is, is that people rip on journalists, but journalists are also your best friend, right? If you tell them the information and it's and it's valid, you don't lie to them, they'll publish that. I mean, for the most part, anyway. There's journalists out there that are shit. But for the most part, and, and Lazarus, he's very respected and you know, he came out with a whole in-depth look at it and he's a very sharp and it was an honest question. And it was a very well-worded question. Words, the words family, they're they're fucked. They're fucked. They're, he's, they're gonna have to be gone. They're gonna have to be gone. All right, next, Ace of Pades, uh, Las Vegas Aces player and four-time WNBA star, had some critical words to share about the WNBA, saying, "Ah, yes, the WNBA, where head coach can get paid four times the highest-paid player supermax contract." El Mao, and y'all think I'm gonna spend another season upgrading my seats on a flight to get to games out of my own pocket? Crazy, huh? That's nuts to me. That yeah. part is the nuts part. Like, if you're paying out of pocket for your own travel to go to a game where you're getting paid less than the coach that nobody knows, well, it's first off, why isn't it a chartered flight for the team? Well, I mean, I'm not. I mean, we can't get into. I mean, I don't think they have enough money to buy private planes and then stuff rent like a that. Private but like, plane. like, what are you doing? Sure, but when you're so, spending so much on your coach, like, what are you gonna do? Yeah, because you're flying coach, maybe. <laughs> So there's a couple of things. One is, you know, Terry, for a long time, I had an issue with the NCAA, and I still kind of do, even though there's the NIL. The issue is you can't say there's no money for players when you're paying coaches million, like tens millions. of millions of dollars, right? Yeah. And so the thing with the WNBA, there's a few things at play. If you don't invest in the sport, it's not going to grow. Also, when you say there's not a lot of money, they, they're largely owned by guys who own NBA franchises. And... um. Those teams have chartered planes already. They already own chartered planes. Um, the other thing to consider is these women make a lot more money in the offseason when they play in Europe. And the only reason they play in the W is for the prestige of playing in the W, right? So if, if you're supposed to be this, this great nation, right, and, and the land of opportunity, then where is the opportunity? When they go overseas, your people are going overseas and getting paid much more money than they're getting paid in a league that's actually a great product. If you've watched the WNBA in the last three or four years, it's actually an excellent product. I and, watched uh, one full game, a WNBA game this year. One full game. 
It's awesome though, right? Like I know it's I mean, it's, it's, good, it's good basketball. Our priority, like it's 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 a great game, and and these my, are these are serious athletes. My girlfriend was asking me, um, like where, like how close are we, uh, to seeing a, a woman in a like in the one of the four major sports? And I said the only sport that it would happen in is basketball, because the girls in that in that they're just as tall, they they can move, they can dunk, they can shoot. It's going to be the first one we see where a professional uh, athlete. In the four major sports, is it becomes a woman is a woman playing it actually in the regular season and in the playoffs. The only thing is, is that I just don't think it's going to happen within the next like five to ten years. Uh, I'd be surprised, but we yeah. will see. We will see a woman behind the bench in the NBA as a head coach in the next five to six years. Yes, that's a, and that's they've a done definite. a great job with that program. Great job, that's a Terry. I was going to say I think hockey goaltender might be the other option, which might be very close. We uh, almost had Oh uh, yeah, she was an exhibition. That was yeah, it was an exhibition game, but like. I, I I get what you're saying, Eags, but like even as a goalie, they, they still need to have some certain size. If you look at the goalies nowadays, they're huge. Um, like the pads are heavy. You know, you got to be able to, to to take it out of the consideration. I'm not saying it's it is the probably the second most logical, but like the second most obvious answer. I mean, but I just don't see it happening. Of, baseball to me would be more obvious. It's just there's not a program for it. But the thing is, is that the the problem with the NBA is not the height. It's it's the like the size, like. LeBron yeah. James, two hundred and seventy-five pounds. Like, yeah, that's that's hard to contend with. You know what I mean? Like, the, that's they, she, would have to, she would have to come off the bench, but it, it'll be it'll happen in the NBA before anything else. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Next, Canadian bacon. Uh, it's been a historic week for uh, Team Canada for the World Cup qualifiers. They had three games this past weekend, all of which they played without their star player Alfonso Davis, and a game against Davies. Team USA. And they won all three of those games, securing nine points, still holding first place in the standings, and are one draw away from a World Cup seed. I don't even know when the last time they made the World Cup was in '94. No, that was USA. 86. Yeah, '86. That's what it was. So I've I've lived an entire life. I was born in '86. I've lived an entire lifetime without seeing Canada in the World Cup, and they had some pretty decent teams. Like, um. There was the year they won the gold cup. I want to say like in 2000, like that was a good team. Um, but this team, watching this team, is they're fun to watch and they're they're solid. Like they're the best team in the in the conference, and that's hands down. Like the, you can see that you can see that, and you can't argue it. The fact that they did this without Alfonso Davies is another thing. He's one of the best players in the world, let alone Canada. So the fact that they did it without him is crazy, and I'm I'm really excited. I'm buying a Team Canada jersey. Fuck it. They they got me to watch soccer. That's a big deal. That's a big Sold. deal. And um, Greg Berhalter's comments after the, the U.S. men's head coach uh, saying that they outplayed Canada and that, um, you know, Canada just sort of capitalized on opportunities. Nah, man. That, that ain't going to fly. Not, we're not going to be the play Canadians. We're better than you. Sorry. It happened. We won all of our games. We did it without our best player. Uh, you got You got – Several of your players playing top programs in Europe, and you still couldn't get it together. Maybe your coaching is the problem. I just love the fact that Team Canada has a better chance of making the World Cup than Italy does, and that hurts as That's wild. Italian descent. Wild. <laughs> and our last story for today: unworthy revenant. Mad Dog Chris Russo blessed us with some amazing audio about uh, what a, a somewhat so famous good. actor and his sport allegiances. So let's go ahead and listen in on that. Anytime, mm. Eagle. Yeah, anytime you want to press play. It's playing. It's just being stupid. <laughs> this is hardly rapid. Another guy. He wouldn't know Norm Van Brocklin. Oh, my uh, God. Rewind, rewind, rewind. 
Yeah, I think from the beginning. And Leonard DiCaprio at a football game. You got to be kidding me. Le- Leonard DiCaprio. Well, Leonard DiCaprio. Leonard DiCaprio. Go back. Really? Go back. I want to I want Good to actor. Go back. Not bad. And Leonard DiCaprio at a football game. You got to be kidding me. Leonard DiCaprio. Leonard. Leonard DiCaprio. Really? Leonard. Good actor. Not bad. Not bad. Another guy. He wouldn't know Norm Van Brocklin. Oh, my God. What a disgrace. What? We take a timeout. We continue. Quarter after. Do you have to have dementia to be on this radio station? Oh my God! <laughs> do you have to be? Do you have to be clinically stupid? Do you have to be institutionalized, institutionalized to be on this radio show? Because that's what it seems like right now. It's it's like twenty four seconds, and there's so many things that he got the, the the name of one of the most famous actors in the world, Leonard DiCaprio, wrong. Leonard DiCaprio. He thinks he shouldn't be at a football game. What? Why not? Like, <laughs> like. Terry, did you ever see Will, Timber- Will Timberland play? Uh, no, I haven't. Then you should never go to an NBA game. <laughs> That's the argument. It's like if people died before you were born or played before you were an adult, then you, you shouldn't you shouldn't go see you shouldn't go see a pro sport. No, exactly. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so at one point, at one point, you know, like when we're all dead and buried, there will be zero people in the stadium. It'll be just like COVID. <laughs> that's that's what Chris Russo wants. Another lockdown. Can we have dementia so I can have a radio show? <laughs> Isn't that what this is? Maybe I don't get what the show is. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we just maybe. need to start fucking being idiots. Let's do it. Yeah. And that's our show for this week, boys. Word. That Good was show. awesome. Um, honestly, great show. So many things. Uh, we had to run through that first segment just because of how much information there was. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for liking, subscribing, reviewing, all that stuff. Please do so if you haven't done it. Uh, it's super important. Um, we like to provide the content, and that helps us uh, keep doing it. Eagle, Terry, thank you for everything you've done. And for everyone else, thank you for letting me be myself. Awesome.